Section fifteen of the Passenger from Calais by Arthur Griffiths. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Irie. Chapter twenty nine. Tangier, the wildest, quaintest, most savage spot on the face of the globe, was to me the most enchanting. Our impressions take their colour from the passing mood. We like or loathe the place according to the temper in which we view it. I was so utterly and foolishly happy in this most eastern city, located in the west, that I have loved it deeply ever since. After the trying and eventful episodes of the past week, I had passed into a tranquil heaven filled with perfect peace. The whole tenor of my life had changed, the feverish excitement was gone, no deep anxiety vexed or troubled me. All my cares were transferred to stronger shoulders than mine. I could calmly await the issue, content to enjoy the moment and forget the past like a bad dream. It was sufficient to bask in the sunshine, revelling in the free air, rejoicing in the sweetness of my nascent love. We were much together, Basil and I. We walked together, exploring the recesses of the native town and the ancient citadel with its memories of British dominion. We lingered in the Soko, or native market, crowded with wild creatures from the far interior. We rode together, for his first care was to secure horses, and scoured the country as far as the Marshan and Cape Spartel. I sometimes reproached myself with being so happy, while my darling Henrietta still sorrowfully repined at her past, with little hope of better days. But even she brightened as the days ran on, and brought no fresh disquiet, while her boy, sweet little Ralph, developed in health and strength. A week passed thus, a week of unbroken quiet, flawless as the unchanging blue of a summer sky, not a cloud in sight, not a suspicion of coming disturbance and unrest. It could not go on like this for ever. To imagine it was to fall asleep in a fool's paradise, lulled into false serenity by the absence of portents so often shrouded and unseen until they break upon us. One day a cablegram reached me from Philpotts. She had arrived at Marseilles on her return voyage from Tripoli, and was anxious that I should know without delay that we had not shaken off Lord Blackadder. They had recrossed the Mediterranean together in the same ship, the Oasis. "'So far all well,' she said. "'But I'm watched closely. Will certainly follow me. Send instructions. Better not join you at present.' This message fell on us two poor women like a bolt from the blue. Basil looked serious for a moment, but then laughed scornfully. "'His lordship can do us no harm. There is not the slightest fear. He may bluster and bully as much as he pleases, or rather as far as he is permitted to go.' We will place ourselves under the protection of the Moorish Bashar. I always intended that. Not seriously. Indeed, yes, I have already consulted our minister. Sir Arthur is an old friend of mine, and he has advised me, privately, of course, and unofficially, to be on our guard. He can do nothing for us, but he will not act against us. If Lord Blackadder should turn up here, and sooner or later he will, most assuredly he will not assist him. He promises that. At the same time he can give you no protection. We must take care of ourselves. You believe that Lord Blackadder will find his way to Tangier? Most certainly. He has Philpotts under his hand, but he would not trust only to her. 
diligent inquiry at marseilles would be sure to reveal our departure for gibraltar he will follow with his men they are well-trained detectives and it will be mere child's play for them to track us to tangier you may look for them here any day we must be ready for them at all points there is no saying what ralph blackadder may not attempt indeed yes he is equal to anything guile of course treachery cunning stratagem absolute violence if the opportunity offers it is of the utmost importance not to play into his hands not to give him the smallest chance the child must be watched continually in the house awake and asleep wherever he goes and whatever he does then i think henrietta must be warned not to wander about the town and on the sands in the way she's been doing with victorine and the child all of them on donkey back i don't think it's at all safe but when i cautioned her she was not particularly pleased was she to have no fresh air no change of scene i grudged her the smallest pleasure while i was racing up and down flirting and philandering with basil ansley all day and every day she was to sit indoors bored to extinction and suffering torments in the unbearable heat basil and i agreed that it was cruel to restrict her movements even with such a good excuse and had she been willing to accept the irksome conditions which she certainly was not we arranged a surveillance therefore unknown to her the colonel his man or myself invariably accompanied her or followed her with an eye-shot and we hired two or three stalwart moors who were always to be near enough to render help if required then came confirmations of our worst fears l'echelle who had been unaccountably absent one morning returned about midday with news from the port lord blackadder and his two henchmen had just landed from the jose pilago the steamer that runs regularly between cadiz and algeciras gibraltar and tangiers he had seen them in the custom-house fighting their way through the crowd of ragged jew porters the moorish egg merchants and dealers in luscious fruit they had mounted donkeys the only means of conveyance in a town with no wheeled vehicles and l'echelle made us laugh at the sorry picture presented by the indignant peer with his legs dangling down on each side of the red leather saddle their baggage was also piled on donkeys and the whole procession familiar enough in the narrow streets of tangier climbed the hill to the soko and made for the sheriff hotel reputed one of the best in tangier and lying outside the walls in the immediate neighbourhood of the british legation l'echelle who seems an honest loyal fellow thought he would serve us best by marking them down and if possible renewing his acquaintance with the detectives one or both of whom he knew after hanging about outside the hotel he entered the garden boldly and went up to the shady trellised veranda where they were seated together smoking and refreshing themselves after their journey l'echelle was well received falfani my friend of the calais train believed he had suborned him at eye and now hailed his appearance with much satisfaction l'echelle might again be most useful at least he could lead them to us and he wisely decided to let falfani know where we were to be found in tangier the fact would surely be discovered without him it was better he thought to appear frank and by instilling confidence learn all there was to know of their plans and movements my lord had gone to the legation falfani told him at once bombastically boasting that everything would yield before him 
he had but to express his wishes and there would be an end of the hunt but my lord came back in a furious rage and regardless of l'echelle's a comparative stranger's presence burst forth into a passionate complaint against the minister he would teach sir arthur to show a proper respect to a peer of the realm he would cable at once to the foreign office and insist on this second-rate diplomatist's recall the upshot of it all was that his lordship's demand for help had been refused point-blank and no doubt after what the colonel had heard in rather abrupt outspoken terms all this and more l'echelle brought back to us at the atlas hotel he told us at length of the outrageous language lord blackadder had used of his horrible threats how he would leave no stone unturned to recover his son and heir how he would bribe the bashaw by the moorish officials a notoriously venal crew how he would dog our footsteps everywhere set traps for us fall upon us unawares and in the last extreme he would attack the hotel and forcibly carry off his property as the fitting end of his violent declamation ralph blackadder had left the hotel hurriedly calling upon his creatures to follow him bent as it seemed to perpetrate some mad act i confess i shuddered at the thought of this reckless unprincipled man loose about tangier vowing vengeance and resolved to go any lengths to secure it my dear basil strove hard to console me with brave words inspired by his sturdy self-reliant spirit but even he quailed at the sudden shock that fell upon us at the very same moment where was henrietta after the first excitement we desired to pass on the news brought by l'echelle to her and renew our entreaties for extreme caution in her comings and goings and with much misgiving we learnt that she was not in the hotel she had gone out with victorine and ralph as usual but unattended by any of us one more achmet el mansour was with her we were told but we did not trust him entirely it had been l'echelle's turn to accompany her but he had been diverted from his duty by the pressing necessity of following lord blackadder basil and i had ridden out quite early on a long expedition from which we only returned when l'echelle did we dismissed our fears hoping they were groundless and looking to be quite reassured presently when she came back at the luncheon hour but one o'clock came and two and two-thirty but not a sign of henrietta nor a word in explanation of her absence could she have fallen victim to the machinations of lord blackadder was the boy captured and she detained while he was spirited away chapter thirty it was impossible to disassociate lord blackadder from lady henrietta's mysterious disappearance and yet we could hardly believe that he could have so quickly accomplished his purpose we doubted the more when the man turned up in person at the atlas hotel and had the effrontery to ask for her basil went out to him in the outer hall and as i listened from within i immediately heard high words it was like a spark applied to tinder a fierce quarrel blazed up instantly between them how dare you show yourself here began basil ansley who are you to prevent me i come to demand the restoration of that which belongs to me take my message to those two ladies and say i will have my boy replied my lord 
do not try to impose on me lord blackadder it is the most imprudent pretence you know perfectly well he is not here i will not bandy words with you go in you men both of you tiller and falfani and seize the child force your way in push that blackguard aside he roared in a perfect paroxysm of passion i could not possibly hold aloof but called for help from the hotel people and with them at my back rushed out to add my protest against this intemperate conduct a free fight had already begun the three assailants ralph blackadder behind egging them on had thrown themselves upon basil who stood sturdily at bay with his back to the wall daring them to come on and prepared to strike out at the first man who touched him at him give it him throw him out cried ralph passionately but even as he spoke his voice weakened he halted abruptly his hands went up into the air his body swayed to and fro his strength left him completely and he fell to the ground in sudden and complete collapse when they picked him up there was froth mixed with blood upon his lips he breathed once or twice heavily stertorously and then with one long-drawn gasp died in the arms of his two men it was an apoplectic seizure the doctors told us later brought on by excessive nervous irritation of the brain here was a sudden and unexpected denouement a terribly dramatic end to our troubles if we could but clear up the horrible uncertainty remaining what had become of my sister and little ralph while the servants of the hotel attended to the stricken man basil ansley plied the detectives with eager questions he urged them to tell all they knew it should be made worth their while they no longer owed allegiance to their late employer he entreated them to withhold nothing where and how had lord blackadder met henrietta what had he done with her where was she now we could get nothing out of these men they refused to answer our questions from sheer mulish obstinacy as we thought at first but we saw at length that they did not understand us what were we driving at they assured us they had seen no lady nor had the unfortunate peer accosted any one or interfered with any one on his way between the two hotels he had come straight from the villa sharif to the hotel atlas racing down at a run pausing nowhere addressing no one on the road if not lord blackadder what then what could have happened to henrietta tangier was a wild place enough but who would interfere with an english woman in broad daylight accompanied by her servant by an escort her attendant moorish guide full of anxiety basil called for a horse and was about to ride off to institute a hue and cry when my sister appeared in person upon the scene getting anxious about me she asked with careless almost childish gaiety i am awfully late but i have had such an extraordinary adventure why how serious you look not on my account surely i took her aside and in a few words told her of the terrible catastrophe that had just occurred and for a time she was silent and seemed quite overcome it's too shocking of course to happen in this awful way but really i cannot be very sorry except for one thing that now he will never know know what henrietta have you taken leave of your senses know that i have discovered the whole plot of which i was the victim my dear i have found susan bruel and she has made a full confession 
they were bribed to go away and they have been hiding here in tangier go on go on tell me please all about it you must know we went out the three of us on our donkeys and the fancy seized me to explore some of the dark narrow streets where the houses all but join overhead i got quite frightened at last i was nearly suffocated for want of air i could not even see the sky and at last desired achmet to get me out into the open anywhere after one or two sharp turns we emerged upon a sort of plateau or terrace high above the sea and in full view of it there was a small hotel in front of it and above the door was the name of the proprietor would you believe it dominico bruel it was the name of susan's husband and no doubt susan was there i could not quite make up my mind how i should act i thought of sending achmet back for you or the colonel but i could not bear a parting with him then while i was still hesitating susan herself came out and rushed across to where i was with her hands outstretched and fairly beside herself laughing and crying by turns oh my lady is it you then what shall i say to you how can i tell you she began quite hysterically we behaved most disgracefully most wickedly but indeed it was domenico's doing he insisted they offered us such a large sum enough to make us rich for life and so we consented to come away here i have never had one happy moment since can you forgive me all this she poured forth and much more of the same sort i could see she was truly sorry and that it had not been entirely her fault besides i began to hope already that how we had found her we might get the case reopened and that wicked order reversed it will be put right now that ralph can no longer oppose it i bowed my head silently thankful and deeply impressed with the strange turn taken by events and the sudden light let in upon the darkness that had surrounded us the rest of the adventures that began in the sleeping-car between calais and basel and came abruptly to an end on the north african shore may soon be told our first act was to return to england at the very earliest opportunity and we embarked that evening on a forward steamer direct for london which port we reached in less than five days town was empty and we did not linger there nothing could be done in the courts as it was the legal vacation but henrietta's solicitors arranged to send out a commission to take the brule's evidence at tangier and to bring the matter before the president at the earliest opportunity as for ourselves i persuaded henrietta to take a cottage at marlow on the upper thames where colonel ansley was a constant guest and charlie forrester we four passed many idle halcyon days on the quiet river far from the noise of trains and content to leave bradshaw in the bottom of the travelling-bag where it had been thrown at the end of our feverish wanderings once again we had recourse to it however when we started on our honeymoon basil and i once more we found ourselves at calais with philpotts but no encumbrances bound on a second a far happier and much less eventful journey by the engadine express the end end of the passenger from calais by arthur griffiths